nothing particularly significant or important. It wasn't uh, terribly dramatic. That boy needs therapy. That boy needs therapy. Lying down on the couch. That's crazy when we've got effective interventions at our disposal. What does that mean? Artifact sizes, empirical questions answered left and right. A lot of psychedelics became All night. A lot of the psychedelics became illegal. Transcranial magnetic stimulation. Life is rubbish. For all of us. Welcome to the show. The Frontier Psychiatrist. Let's go. That boy needs therapy. That boy needs therapy. All that's going on here is that these people do not have a language for talking about their thoughts and their feelings. And as soon as they start talking about their thoughts and their feelings, they don't have to do crazy things. They don't have to do crazy things. When it comes, it's pretty hard to get deep enough on the internet and not think that we're all terrible. Welcome to Remotely Possible. It is May. Specifically, it's the 10th. You know what I mean? But it's also because you have to have inherently to engage in these activities. Our IT director, RJ, has joined me on the show to talk about internet nonsense. Like, for example. Almost childish, uh, you know, cybersecurity threats, activities. I don't even want to call them that because I don't want to give them the credit. Activities. I like that. What were you doing? Eh, some activities. But pranks. Uh, I think that inherently to have the ability to do these and pull them off. Remotely Possible is a show about anxiety, uncertainty, and existential despair. And today, a few of its corollaries. You need to have a combination of isolation uh, and loneliness and anger at society in general, because it does require time and dedication and knowledge, you know, like. We're talking about individuals who, through self-directed learning, have learned how to be huge assholes. Huge. And when I heard RJ describe that, I couldn't help but think of Frankenstein's monster. Keep in mind, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein was the doctor, not the monster. Beware, for I am fearless and therefore powerful. I asked some of my colleagues, including the amazing Michelle Burnaby RN, to read the part of the very eloquent monster. I will watch with the willingness of a snake that I may sting with its venom. Man, you shall repent of the injuries you inflict. Devils cease and do not poison the air with the sounds of malice. I have declared my resolution to you, and I am no coward to bend beneath words. Leave me. And that guy didn't even have a name. Today, on Remotely Possible, we're going to be talking about Zoom bombing and other vaguely antisocial internet activities. And in understanding their minds, we may gain the ability to protect ourselves from their malice. 
or boredom or both. Uh, but as far as Zoom bombing goes, that's interesting too. And I'm like really shocked about how everyone's acting like it's this crazy new exciting thing because it's really the oldest. It's literally like the oldest internet. I don't even know what to call it. Fun, I guess you'd call it. Uh, you know, internet hacking. Like this is as old as the internet. And before the internet, we had things we wrote down in books, some of which I read at one point or another, and one of them was Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. She wanted to write a story that would, quote, speak to the mysterious fear of our nature and awaken thrilling horror. The idea that art could awaken that horror and awe and connect us to the broader natural world was really Well, it key was to- really key to the romantics at the time. Getting connected to the natural world is not something that seems to be a high priority for internet trolls. Listening to Percy Shelley and Byron discuss new developments in electricity and the possibility of the dead being brought back to life. That night she went... So Mary Shelley was part of a family which was essentially the literary Kardashians of the time, except they didn't suck. And they talked about fancy science stuff that was happening too. Yeah. Uh, Basically the nine digit key, which they give out, they're thinking in their mind that it's like your code to your locker. Why would you give that out? There's no purpose to doing that. So therefore it's secure. So that one failure of mentalizing to not recognize that people aren't very good at being concerned about their security has led to all of this. It's a, it's a concept known as obscurity or security through obscurity. It's a concept known as security through obscurity. So instead of actually making the thing, or in this case, the action secure, we're going to decide to make it obscure. We're going to hide it in some way or hide it in plain sight. This was the first moment in the interview with RJ that I got really excited about literary things that made me think of. So, for example, this strategy towards security is identical to that used by the dwarves of Moria in the Fellowship of the Ring. To wit. It reads, the doors of Durin, Lord of Moria. Speak, friend. And enter. What do you suppose that means? Oh, it's quite simple. If you are a friend, you speak the password and the doors will open. So at this point, it's not going very well for Gandalf. He's saying a bunch of stuff. Nothing's happening. Yeah. Just open already. I once knew every spell in all the tongues of elves. And this is why there is a trade-off. What are you going to do then? Knock your head against these doors, Peregrine Took, and if that does not shatter them, and I am allowed a little peace from foolishness. Because we get frustrated with technology, and Zoom wanted us to be able to get into the web conference more than they wanted to keep assholes out of it. Speak friend. 
and enter. And even this brilliant dwarvish password had some rationale to it because it involves mentalizing, thinking about the minds of the people who'd be reading it and the kind of answers they would find reasonable, which is why it's hard for Gandalf What's the to do it. Word for friend? Ah. Melon. There we go. The answer would be an elvish. Of course. Of course. Of course. And that's how you get into Moria. It's also how you get into any given Zoom conference. Except instead of saying the elvish for friend, your friend just hands you the numbers that let you get in the door. Unfortunately, some of your friends also have Twitter accounts and might post the numbers right on the Twitter account because that'll make it really easy for everyone to get into the webinar. It's hidden in plain sight, right? Uh, It's the same thing. It would be like they do it sometimes too with, um, okay, let me say it this way too. Think about, you know, what you do when you're a kid. Uh, What's it called when you, when you prank call someone, right? So when you're a kid, you prank call someone, you dial a series of numbers or you flip through your phone book and you find the number. So that's fun and exciting for kids for reasons that I'm not quite sure about, but I guess it's the intrusion. You're jumping into someone's life. Now, remember the deep meaning that most of us have doing important stuff from day to day is absent in the lives of some people. Well, it was, it was pretty horrifying actually. Um, Completely unexpected. We were running a, um, an online seminar. Um, and I figured, what's any story about Zoom bombing good for if we don't have an example of people who got Zoom bombed? Linked to work that we've been doing over the last sort of 15 years. Um, and we've gathered a, a wonderful community of practitioners. So who's this fabulous guy with this great British accent? Ugh, it's so... Mm, I just trust it. Uh well, I'll let him introduce himself. Okay. Um, so so my, my name is Dickon Bevington. I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist. And um, as chance would have it, I'm also distantly related to one Mary Shelley. And I work at the Anna Freud National Centre for Children and Families and in the National Health Service in, in the UK. Now, originally, like any good date, I was going to play it cool and just kind of slip the fact that he's related to Mary Shelley into that part of the podcast. But Dickon is related to Mary Shelley, who wrote Frankenstein. What follows, at the risk of mixing literary metaphors, is the Kafkaesque experience of having a seminar for people who work with high-risk adolescents with mental health problems be joined by someone whose whole modus operandi is to show you a picture of his penis, whether you want uh, to see it or not. Many different shapes and hues um, across the world. And to be perfectly clear, this is shapes and hues of mental health programs. Who, who've been sort of working with us. Uh, and using some of our stuff, but kind of feeding back their stuff in a in a, a lovely young people. collaborative endeavor. To and um, it all went beautifully. And there was this marvelous person speaking. His name was Owen Muir, in fact. Um, <laughs> and uh, he, but 
Okay, so I could have had the edit point before then, but come come on. It's kind of cool. So it was a seminar online, and we were talking about how working on the internet was changing things for us as health professionals. Uh-oh. Exactly, right? So that's an, that's an excellent point. I didn't even think about that. So they know it's a joke. The kids know it's a joke. The person they're pranking isn't in on the joke. And then therefore, ipso facto, I suppose it's funny. But now imagine if every time you did a prank call, instead of bothering someone, you got to listen to their conversation and show them a picture of your dick, right? I'm not saying this is what happened, but this is what happened. Right. So like, that's the thing. All the news articles are like, oh my God, it's this crazy new thing called Zoom bombing and we should be really worried about it. When in reality, it's older than the internet itself. So back in the day, back when the internet used to be connected through a phone. And I just turned 41. So as much as the internet being old is a thing that's old now, books... And what follows is a really fast summary of Victor Frankenstein, Frankenstein, modern Prometheus, whatever it's called. So eventually Victor figures out how to make dead flesh live, and he assembles this huge creature out of dead bodies and farm animal parts, hooks up the juice, and animates it. Only he's so horrified that he runs away and conveniently develops a bad case of brain fever. Rejected by his creator, the monster wanders into the wilderness where he seeks shelter and then eventually learns to read and write. The monster returns to Victor and he's like, look, I've done so much book learning, but that doesn't convince Victor that the monster is not a monster. So the monster becomes a real monster. He kills Victor's youngest brother, and then when Victor rejects the monster's request for a mate, the monster kills Victor's best friend, and then his cousin, to whom Victor is getting married, because, you know, that's what they do. Yeah, exactly. And it's a free, it's a, it's near, it's a nearly free craft. You know what I mean? It, there's no one holding you back. You know, if you don't have uh, a degree, uh, you can't get a good job, uh, you're whatever you're you're not able to work where you don't want to whatever you know it's easy to go online for six days and learn everything there is to know about remote access trojans and now all of a sudden bam you have a new hobby and it also involves so now not only do you are you fulfilled by having this new hobby you're also connected to others because now we have something we can talk about that's not "Quote unquote boring or nor." Uh, I just I just pulled it up because you can get all of it online. Frankenstein was the first science fiction novel, um, and written by a woman, by the way, Mary Shelley, and um, uh, and it's the story of um, of Victor Frankenstein, a physician who creates a, cr- a creature, um, and yeah, the. Explanation we got before is much more concise. We'll skip this part. And he's going to destroy Victor Frankenstein unless he's unless someone is built to be a partner for him. And he hates Victor because he made him, and he hates Victor because he won't make him less lonely. And he th- promises to destroy Victor's entire life, to r- kill everyone in his family, everyone he's ever loved. Or... As the monster much more eloquently put it, For some days, I have haunted the spot where these scenes had taken place. 
sometimes wishing to see you, sometimes resolves to quit the world and its miseries forever. At length, I wandered through these mountains and have ranged through their immense recesses, consumed by a burning passion which you alone can gratify. We may not part until you have promised to comply with my requisition. I am alone and miserable. Man will not associate with me, but one as deformed and horrible as myself would not deny herself to me. My companion must be of the same species and have the same defects. This being you must create. And for Victor, that is his monster bride that he has to make for the monster. For our internet trolls, it's each other. I think that they've lost that. I guess they've lost their ability to voyeur, which is what you're saying exactly what Frankenstein went through, right? But then it's also they get excited by it simultaneously too. And make no mistake, it's not like this is not a sexual thing. It is, but sometimes it's a lot of the time it's not a sexual thing too. It's it's a mixed bag of of weird, strange bonding, right? And oh, it's a loser club. I mean, I was in that club in high school, but we didn't do anything bad to anybody because we didn't know how. I think a great like insight into the psychology of these people of the people who do these activities, and I'm having trouble giving them an exact title because I think there is none, uh, is the use of the word normies. Are you familiar with this? I was familiar with normie, yes. Exactly, yeah. So you're a normie. I hate to break it to you, Owen, but you're you're a fucking normie, dude. Sorry. I was so excited to be normal for once. Yeah, well, there you go, right? But to them, you're a normie because you don't you don't function in these ways that they do, and they hate normies because they also want they feel oppressed by normies. And it's a little bit like realizing when you've become your dad, and like I never thought that would be the case when I'm the oppressor. Things have gotten strange. About new and terrifying ways to bring light and life into the world. And in that sense, it's loosely tied to two other creation stories, which Mary Shelley acknowledged in the text. The first is right there in its subtitle, The Modern Prometheus, which is taken, of course, from Greek mythology. Prometheus is a titan. He's best known for giving fire to mankind, an idea that... So, Victor Frankenstein is a physician, but he's a dilettante. He decides instead of healing people, he's going to take a bunch of animal and human parts and reanimate them into a new form of life for no reason at all. It's gross and upsetting, and so upsetting it even upsets him because he's a wimp, but fundamentally, he was causing trouble and not doing society things. For our Zoom-bombing internet trolls, a similar thing could be said. And many of them acknowledge... But a lot of the times, it's about how sad you are, or how sad the writer is, you know? Uh, And it's, you get, you know, the sadder you are, the more cred you have. I don't know, you're you're a psychiatrist, I don't know if you've delved into... uh, to like this is a more of a reddit thing that started from 4chan but uh to me irl for me irl have you heard of this concept 
I had not. It's like this area of the internet that focuses specifically on memes about depression and how su- specifically how suicidal the author of the meme is. And so I went and looked up some of these and I'll share a few. Hey cutie, is your last name suicide? Cuz I think of you every day. Ugh. Manages to be creepy in more than one way. And it, it's almost like the more suicidal you are, the more cred you have. And it's, but I have to be honest with you, it's funny. One of the things that literature has gotten right before there was an internet is that when people feel bad, they can act bad. Hey, Michelle, can you do the monster again? Thanks. I will revenge my injuries if I cannot inspire love. I will cause fear, and chiefly towards you, my arch enemy. Because, my creator, do I swear inextinguishable hatred. Uh, Yeah, and they share best of clips, uh, best of, and they name the people a lot of the time. Uh, sometimes you'll see real names because they know their real names because they're watching them do their banking, their Facebooking, their Twittering, whatever. And to save us all some time, I'm going to do the short version. It's possible for hackers to get a thing called a remote access terminal or RAT and somehow stick it in your computer and watch you the whole uh, time. And then they basically – it's like reality TV but actual reality television. Uh, and they – You mean like Jenny Cam? Exact, exactly. I haven't thought about Jenny Cam in a minute, but exactly that. They don't know that they're Jenny, but they are, right? And Jenny was the first, like, streaming reality star. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. I know you're not Jenny because I would hopefully know about it. And to check in with the experience of getting to involuntarily make the acquaintance of these little Frankenstein's monsters... Let's check in with Dickon. That um, we were kind of at the at the point of wrap up, and I'd I'd really just been listening in, in kind of awe and admiration, and and and, and a real sense of warmth um, about what was being shared and how generous the people were to share uh, about about working with extraordinarily vulnerable individuals. I mean, I can't emphasise that enough. The whole approach of my work has been to try to work out. Kind of ways of being, making help more helpful as it's experienced by the people that we um, uh, sometimes I think arrogantly assume that we can help, but really trying to make help more helpful. So you know, this was a, a genuine endeavour. And then in the midst of this, as I was asked to just do a few words to kind of wrap up, yeah, this kind of um, I had the sort of Zoom has different ways of presenting it, but I had kind of a load of little boxes with people's faces in it and it all looked very very lovely and then all of a sudden a new box appeared and I kind of I was speaking at the time so I was kind of partly in my head um uh, trying to make sure that I didn't say anything too idiotic um which you all already have realized I, I I'm more than capable of doing um but but um and then I just saw this image uh, initially just of a you know uh, a young child and and then it kind of very kind of rapidly became apparent this wasn't this wasn't the whole of the story 
and I don't want to kind of really dwell on on the on, on that. But the... to be clear, the experience of the people who saw the faked child pornography was deeply uncomfortable. The experience, as I imagine it, for the Zoom bombers was, dude, check this out. This is the best part. This is awesome. There is an out group, and that's us. And there is an in group. And that in group does axiomatically not want anything to yeah. do with us. Yeah. I I I I'm 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 embarrassed to say, um, Owen, but uh, Mary Shelley is a distant relative of mine. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, my um, my uh, my parents have at, at home um, her sewing box, and inside her sewing box is a, a tiny thimble. I mean, just kind of insanely small for a, for for her sewing. But the the, the the pride of all contents of the sewing box is um, this little um. It's like a sort of paper origami hand sewn and um so that when you press it it kind of opens up and written around it in the hand of Percy Bysshe Shelley is this little kind of poem saying kind of uh, about how she needs to press the poles of this thing to to open it up and reveal the sugar plum that he's hidden inside it and it had been kept in her sewing box yeah the things that these people do don't interest me in a cybersecurity sense anymore because they're not interesting attacks. They're they're merely most of it is pulling the uh, what's the, what's the saying? It's grabbing the low hanging fruit. And it wasn't until I listened back to this tape that I realized how smart RJ is. Because if we're going to be talking about things that we want to have less of, we can't reinforce them behaviorally which paying attention to them usually would. And so he was smart enough to go, let's just be bored by it. I don't know if this is technique or if it's true, but either way, Dr. Sinclair, take a look at this. This is some great behaviorism. It's like they're just not really trying. Like, to be honest with you, I get excited to read about the ways that people do these things. And it's terrible. There's no doubt that it's terrible. And now pivot and... I have almost a uh, appreciation for a con, like a good con. I've, yeah, I think we all do. I mean, it's, it's American in its nature. It's almost patriotic to do a good con. And this is not one. Burn. I put my head and heart and yeah. feelings and all yeah. that yeah. stuff back. So, so, so in our sort of psychological language, uh, that, that goes straight to the heart of this phrase, epistemic trust, doesn't it? That, 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 that the door to help in, in, in these people's minds is, is pretty firmly closed to anybody like you and me. Um, uh, Normies don't have anything relevant to say to internet trolls. But they might have something relevant to say to each other.
Here's the part where I talk to Carlini about group. And then, just in case I've offended any incels or trolls or spammers or scammers or other internet citizens, um, think that this and all is mended. That you have but slumbered here while these visions did appear. And this week in idle theme, no more yielding than a dream. Shakespeare's Puck was really good at getting out of trouble. Gentles, do not reprehend. If you pardon, we will mend. And... As I am an honest Puck, if we have unearned luck... Now to scape the serpent's tongue, we, we will, will make, make amends, amends ere long. long. Else the Puck a liar call. So good night unto you all. Give, Give me your, your hands, hands if we be friends, friends and, and Robin, Robin shall restore amends. This has been Remotely Possible, the show about anxiety, uncertainty, and existential despair, a podcast made by, and in some ways for, the team at Brooklyn Minds, on the web at www.brooklynminds.com. I'm Owen Muir, and I'm your host and engineer. Other voices you heard tonight include Dr. Dickon Bevington from the Anna Freud National Center for Children and Families, and RJ, our unbelievable IT manager at Brooklyn Mines. Additional vocal talents lent from Michelle Burnaby RN and Amanda Quigley. Our logo is by Cortex Creations. And if you're super into podcasts, which I imagine you are if you're listening to this, check out the Listen app. It's on the Apple App Store as the Listen app. And it lets you engage directly with the creators of podcasts like this one. You can leave your own comments and even voice audio recordings that we can even incorporate into the show if we wanted to and you wanted us to and that all worked out. It's pretty cool. Check it out. One more thing tonight. It's really important that in the midst of COVID-19, which is making everything deeply weird, we still think about each other and what this is all going to look like afterwards. One of those unanswered questions for me is how we're going to support the arts. So a lot of the music in this episode is by John Vanderslice. John is a musician, engineer, and dear friend. He has a Patreon. This is how he's going to survive, uh, among other things, while all this madness is going on. So I'm going to encourage everyone to go to it and give him some amount of money that is reasonable for you that'll help him have an income he can live on every month. You can obviously do this with any artist you like, but I strongly recommend it. The reason I'm picking John is we had kind of a back and forth about it, and he has no faith in humanity right now. So if he can have like a really big bunch of donations to his Patreon, uh, I may win the argument, and that's important to me. Okay, see you next time. The links for the stuff we mentioned, including that Patreon, are going to be in the show notes. Let's take great care of our artists, people. 
because someone's going to need to help us make sense of all of this when it's whatever done is going to mean. Life is rubbish, you know, for all of us, for all of us, for all of us.